welcome to the Hell Project podcast. This is where I share all of the results of the research and reading that I've done on the doctrine of hell over the last few years. Uh, I defend the view that uh, without Jesus, we are all dead. Uh, This is the view called conditionalism, and I believe there's better news in it than the traditional understanding of hell. And I try to defend that here. The audio quality may not be that high as it's taken off my YouTube channel and unfortunately some of the streams do have technical glitches but I hope that you stick with it and uh, do let me know what you think, share, uh, get involved through Twitter or even comment on my YouTube channel. I look forward to hearing back from you. Enjoy the show. Hello, I'm Phil Duncalf and this is The Hell Project. This is where I'll be discussing all things to do with hell. It's going to be quite a big project. There's lots of videos that I want to be creating. I've studied hell for a little while now and I found there to be more light in the darkest doctrine of Christianity. So I want to share that, uh, share what I found. Um, So please do subscribe, join in this journey with me and uh, we'll see where it takes us. So last video I looked at the traditional view of hell, uh, also known as ECT or eternal conscious torment, and I looked at the scriptures that are used to defend that view. Now this video is similar in that it talks about the traditional view, but it is about the philosophy that accompanies those scriptures, why they're viewed to lead to an eternal torment uh, within hell. So I'm going to look at six different arguments. I'm going to briefly summarize them. I'm not going to be attacking them. I'm not going to be saying whether they're bad or good, apart from maybe one of them. Um, But I'm just going to go through them, present them as someone who would defend this view. In future videos, I might make a video per argument. We'll see how it goes. As I said, this is a big project and we've got plenty of time. So I'll be releasing a video every two weeks and... uh, Click the subscribe and the notification bell if it does anything, and uh, follow along. So the first argument I'm going to be looking at is that the traditional view is the majority view of the church and has been for the last 2,000 years, if not since before Jesus. And that is a powerful argument, even if, like me, you view the Bible as your sole authority. There are a lot of people I respect who hold to the traditional view, defend it. So this argument has a lot of weight to it and is actually why many people just think that it's true because so many people that they've respected, so many people that have uh, loved Jesus hold to this view. Now that means that in holding a different view, I actually disagree with many of the people that have had a profound impact on my own faith. And so you do tend to question yourself and how you're reading the Bible when a whole stack of Christians view it very differently. So that's argument one. That this traditional view was held by the majority, has been the majority view for 2,000 years. Why are you going against so many faithful believers? Good question. The second argument I'll be looking at is the argument that sin is a crime against an infinite God and therefore requires an infinite punishment. There's a guy named Albert Moeller Jr. who says this, The traditional doctrine of hell argues that an infinite penalty is just 
punishment for sin against the infinite holiness of God. This explains why all sinners equally deserve hell except for salvation through faith in Christ. Many who defend the traditional view will emphasize the holiness of God. Now, holiness just means God is separate. Nothing imperfect can enter his presence. And that is fairly logical in my mind. I don't have a problem with that. I do think God is ultimately holy, ultimately perfect. And therefore, if a sinner was to enter the presence of something perfect, two things could happen. God would become imperfect by the presence of imperfection or God's holiness consumes the imperfection or the imperfect. And, and so that's where Jesus is required to step in and God sees Christ's holiness instead of our own. And we'll look into that more detail in future. But that is the gospel, is that we cannot enter God's presence without Christ. Or without a mediator, if you read the Old Testament. That is a massive theme throughout the Old Testament. And so I have no problem with God's holiness. That is a big aspect of who God is. And I want to emphasize that as well. But does it lead to an infinite crime and an infinite punishment? That's where I'll end up disagreeing. So the traditional view, based on the comparison from Matthew 25, of eternal life with eternal punishment, the sin it is ongoing and so it will continue to be punished eternally and so those in hell will continue to sin continue to deteriorate but will always be present and therefore God will continue to punish them now if you know anything about the bible some red flags will come up but we'll talk about those red flags later to have an ongoing punishment or ongoing sin in the new creation may cause some issues to your theology and where this takes us, well, this, this whole view, this whole argument is to highlight that Jesus is the only man who is infinite God at the same time and therefore can take an infinite punishment for us. Again, there might be some inconsistencies with that. If I've misrepresented the view, please let me know in the comments. But that's the view. That's how I would have argued it when I was holding to the traditional view of hell in the past. Spiritual death in this life links to the spiritual death in the second death. Now, what I mean by this is that there are several passages within the Bible that seem to suggest that we are dead now, even while we're living. And what that means is that sin and death go hand in hand and we can then label that as a spiritual death. Though I am breathing, my heart is beating as a sinner before I knew Christ, I was dead in my sins. That is a fairly standard reading of um, the letter of Ephesians and a few other books within the Bible. And so if while I'm breathing and technically physically alive, I can be spiritually dead, when we then look at the verses in Revelation that talk about the second death, which we'll look at in more depth later, that's Revelation 20, talks about the second death being the lake of fire. So within that, the traditional view would say, well, that second death is also like a spiritual death where you become a ruined person that still experiences, still uh, senses and 
is conscious and understands the torment that you uh, that is being gone through in the lake of fire, and that consciousness is happening, ongoing, forever. And so this view that spiritual death is the answer to the second death um, comes from the fact that we are alive and could be spiritually dead now. Whether that's a good argument or not, I'll leave that to you decide for now. But there'll be a video on what spiritual death is and where that concept comes from and potentially why it can't be applied to the second death as well. Watch this space. So punishment must be experienced is the fourth argument. To really be a punishment, the person has to experience that punishment. This is a really common argument for the traditional view. So those who look at the view that I hold, so I, I hold to a view called conditional immortality, will look at that view in detail in the next video. Uh, also, it's fairly similar to annihilationism, but when people view that and they see that there's an end to the punishment, um, they first have a problem with the concept of eternal punishment from Matthew 25, but also they say, well, they're no longer experiencing that punishment because they are dead. Therefore, it cannot be a real punishment. Again, whether that is a good argument or not, we'll look at potentially in the next video, but it will come up again. Does punishment have to be experienced to be punishment? Maybe. The next one, which I won't spend too long on because actually this is a fairly terrible argument, but there is uh, an argument that comes from the traditional camp that says the good news is only as good as the bad news is bad. Now, I've heard this uh, proposed by people I respect greatly. There'll be a link in the description as to an example of this argument. What I find fascinating is people that dig deep into the Bible, who read the Bible a lot, potentially more than I do, when it comes to hell, come up with defenses like this one. Now, my issue with this argument, even if the eternal torment view of hell is correct, this argument probably shouldn't be used. It's weirdly karmic rather than Christian, and it gives license to all the horrific, sadistic tortures that could be imagined, because that's bad news, isn't it? We just can make hell as awful as we like, and therefore that makes it a good punishment. I don't understand it, and it, unfortunately it doesn't take long on YouTube to find some horrific videos uh, put to the sound of people preaching about hell and flayed skin, and yeah, it's gross. It, and this, this argument allows that. If it's bad news and it's really bad, well, that must mean heaven is amazing if we're looking at the images that we see on YouTube. So that, that's a pretty poor argument, but it does come up a lot. So keep an eye out for that one. And the last one I'm going to look at is you are going to live eternally somewhere. It's going to either be heaven or it will be hell. Now, this could be a direct quote from a number of preachers, but the link I've got in the description is from... Uh, a guy named John Piper, who again, I respect. He has done a lot of Bible study. He is renowned through the churches that I'm part of. Um, he loves Jesus. But when it comes to hell, we disagree. And uh, this whole concept that you are eternal and you're going to live on in heaven or live on in hell, that comes from a position of thinking that the soul or the human uh, is eternal and whether or not that eternal soul 
is uh, innate in that when you're created it can never be destroyed or whether it's a God-given gift which potentially could be argued from 1 Corinthians 15. That's, that's debated. Um, and we'll look at 1 Corinthians 15 in future, but the argument kind of goes that everyone is resurrected, everyone gets incorruptible bodies, and you either have that incorruptible body being punished and tormented, or you have it eternal life in heaven. Whether, again, that is a good view from 1 Corinthians 15 is to be decided later on, but that is the understanding. Now, have I missed a philosophical view or defense of ECT. Those are the six that I come up against all the time in the conversations that I have and in the books that I read. As I said, I'm still learning, still reading. Get involved, ping us a comment, and I look forward to reading them. I'm Phil Dunkoff, this is The Hell Project, and this is where I defend the view that without Jesus, we're all dead. Until next time. Thank you for listening and I want to know what you think. Do get in touch. As I said at the beginning of this podcast, you can do that through uh, Twitter or my YouTube channel. But I also have the scripts and free resources and other studies that I'm continuing to engage with at uh, thehellproject.online. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support the channel and uh, the show in any way, please do go into the description of this episode and you can find a PayPal link. Otherwise, I do this all for free and I hope you found it helpful. God bless you. See you later.